This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped, streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Bengal Tiger Podcast. I'm Matthew Bruni, and joining me once again is Shay Dixon. Shay, um, has the sweat dried on your body? It has. I, I kind of now it just feels good in the air condition, but yes, not showered. We went and stood out for, well, we did an hour indoors, an hour outdoors. Um, yeah. So day one of practice, Brian Kelly let us in for all two hours, and we've got a lot of that coming uh, with a multiple viewing periods. A lot. I think there's like six or seven where we're going to see the entire practice. So yeah, buckle in podcast listeners. There will be a lot of access this fall, which is not the norm, but it's a good thing for us. Yeah, um, definitely. We'll um, come prepared uh, next time. I mean, I was pretty prepared basketball shorts. I tried to come ready for uh, to sweat. And even in those 30, 40 minutes outside, um, that's certainly what we did. But um, let's let's talk about this first practice because like you said about two hours hour and a half two hours of watching the team watch them go through individual drills watch the offense go through some seven on seven stuff uh watch them go through one-on-ones um watch the o-line d-line kind of go uh head to head there for a bit uh got to see some you know depth chart type stuff maybe um shay has a depth chart prediction piece or depth chart piece out on the site so check that out I guess if we start on the offensive side of the ball, um, it's a lot of returners. It's a lot of names we already knew. And then you get to the secondary groups, and you get to the Aaron Andersons, the Logan Diggs, Caleb Jacksons, Mason Lunsford, um, and then you get the freshman tight ends. Where do you want to start uh, when when looking at this uh, offensive unit? Well, we, we'll po- point out the only person not at practice today yes. was John Emery, and John Emery will be back, Brian Kelly confirmed tomorrow on Friday for practice. So that's good news. There is not any major injuries. Guys don't have academic work. And to me, that speaks to the foundation Brian Kelly's built, not injury wise. I mean, yes, strength and conditioning staff has got them in great shape and everyone looks good, but academically everyone was out there to start fall camp with Emory now being there on Friday. So good news there. I will say that, look, we can, we're going to have so many podcasts on fall camp. It's going to last a few weeks. Um, so we can dive into the weeds on all these positions at a later date. We're not going to skip over anything and never get back to it. But I can move past quarterback quickly. Jaden and yeah. Nelser are your one-twos. And when you look at the wide receivers, it was exactly what we expected. Your first team is Malik Neighbors, a 1,000-yard receiver, and then Brian Thomas and Kyron Lacey, who were the two guys to step up. Uh, last year and kind of fill those roles that Jare Jenkins and Keishon Butte, uh, you know, vacated by moving on to the NFL draft. You're right. The second team, and we talked about this on the podcast and in some written stories, but they signed four high school receivers, right? And now we look at, there's a crop of returning guys, Matty B, whether it's Chris Hilton, Landon Ibietta, um, Aaron Anderson, who's now not returning, but he's a sophomore. He's a, a redshirt freshman at Alabama. Those true freshmen have to catch those guys because Cortez Hankton, the wide receivers coach, started out camp with the first team we expected, with the second team full of veterans, 
then we got to see that third team that's all the true freshmen. Yeah. Uh, I thought Kyle Parker, once again, looked the part. Um, I think Shelton Sampson actually, he did have a drop, I think, in, in the uh, section that we were watching as far as the drills go. But Shelton Sampson physically, I think, looked more impressive than I expected him to. And then you get to like the Jalen Browns, the Kai Prions, who are some raw prospects, but obviously have high upside. The receiver room is basically what we expect it to be. I will say Aaron Anderson, seeing him in that capacity in person, went a long way for me feeling better about him as a player this year because I loved his high school tape. Everybody in the world loved his high school tape. That's not hard to do. But coming off a year where he didn't play at Alabama, transfers come to LSU, you wonder if he still has that pop. And I think he very clearly did. So I was felt good about Aaron Anderson there. Um, and then uh, tight end, I think, is is the next spot to go to because I think our, the three freshmen looked really good. Mike Markway, Jackson McGohan, and uh, Kamorian Pimpton all behind Mason Taylor. I mean, that's a really, really good freshman class, and they lived up to everything I expected them to be uh, on day one. Yeah, and, and with Aaron Anderson, remember, he was hurt at Bama, then he was out for the spring because he was injured. So you yeah. just were hoping to see him healthy for fall camp, and he was. And another note, I think in the spring, Brian Kelly said everyone but Armani Goodwin would be on track to be out there for fall, and Armani Goodwin was out there and was a full go. So good to see both those guys, Armani being one of the eight running backs they have. So, And then if you toss in Jaden Daniels, they have nine running backs. And it's Crazy uh, about it's, running uh, back. It's a deep, deep room. So – at tight end, though, we saw Pimpton, who we ranked as a top five tight end in the country on on three, make a spectacular sort of sideline, twist <laughs> his body, makes yeah. the grab with two hands. Yeah. It was it was right up the alley of what you saw in his high school film of what his catch radius is. And we've talked about that a million times. He's going to be a really good tight end to watch. Your boy, um, Jax McGohan, was, uh, caught a few balls, looked uh, smooth running routes. He'll probably put on a little bit of weight that'll – maybe be his mission in year one, getting a little yeah. bit stronger. But as you noted, Mason Taylor is their re only returning tight end. He's going to be your first team tight end. And then Mac Markway comes in to block and the addition of Connor Gilbreth, who's now on campus as a Juco addition uh, at tight end. He's a blocker. So Mike Denbrock's tight end room, Matty B has gone from just before December when it was only Mason Taylor and Cole Taylor was transferring out to West Virginia, you know, one guy on roster to, now you've got a deep group that's well balanced with inline blockers and slot tight ends. Yeah. The last part of the offense, uh, offensive line, kind of going back to what we talked about with quarterback, I don't think there's a lot to talk about with the starting five. But after that, I think there's a lot of, I don't want to say uncertainty, but a lot of ways that this could go, right? Zalen's heard, came in, rotated in with the second group and the third group. Same thing, you know, Mason Lunsford, J DJ Chester, Tyree Adams, like Kimo Macignole, Marlon Martinez. There's a lot of names there, but if you are to put them in a depth chart, it feels like that could change in two weeks. And uh, Brian Kelly kind of said that when asked about uh, the Charles Turner and Marlon Martinez battle. He was like, look, we're going to give the starters, the returning starters and, and the returning players the benefit of the doubts early on. You know, we're going to give them. Uh, plenty of opportunities to show what they have, how much they've improved, so on and so forth. But there is a point in this fall camp, I don't know when that will be, he said, five, six practices in, there will be a point where we see, okay, well, is Zalen's Hurd actually able to start this year? Is 
uh, Kimo Macchiole actually able to start this year? Mason Lunsford. Like, that's the point that we're going to have to reach. And that might be, I think, probably in like a week or two. But once we reach that point, then we'll know, okay, this is where we are. Because last year, if you remember, that's when Garrett Dellinger stepped in. It was like, all right, two weeks before the first game, Garrett Dellinger has center. And it didn't work out, but that's what they did. So when you look at the offense as a whole, that's kind of the feeling I have. Uh, like that's the feeling I have with Logan Diggs, um, Mason Lunsford, so on and so forth. But um, especially on the offensive line, I just have no idea how exactly that's going to shake out. Yeah, and Will Campbell's back at left tackle. No one's taken his job. Yeah, Emory yeah. Jones was at right tackle today. And then the two guys we knew would be at guard, Dellinger and uh, Miles Frazier, both started there last year. I know Anthony Bradford was a starting guard, but when Dellinger wasn't hurt, he was getting in there. Those guys both rotated at left and right guard. So they kind of kept already doing a little moving back and forth with two experienced guys. And Charles Turner and Marlon Martinez rotated in and out with the first team at center. Charles Turner, though, getting the majority of those center reps. We saw DJ Chester getting some center reps with the third team. He's a true freshman, uh, four-star. They signed out of Georgia. And I think that the two big questions people had were, A, you signed one O-line transfer in Mason Lunsford out of Maryland. Where does he fit in? He was at backup left guard. So he's an interior guy. He could probably play either guard spot. And then where does five-star Zalance Hurd fit in? And he worked as the backup right tackle, as you noted, with second and third team. So they're giving him a lot of reps. I think people are just curious if he ever moves into that right tackle spot, meaning Emory Jones moves inside. Emory Jones isn't coming off the field. I firmly believe that. So how does a five-star freshman work his way into the starting lineup? TBD, I guess. We don't know yet. But we saw it happen with two guys a year ago. Granted, they've got more depth now, Matty B. But – Heard is one of their more talented players. So I think as time goes on, we'll start to see a little bit more from him. Yeah. Um, before we move to defense, the most impressive things I, I saw today were Corian Pimpton's catch. Uh, I think Garrett Dellinger had one really, really good rep. I think it was against Mason Smith uh, in the on the defensive line uh, when they did the O-line, D-line battle. Um, actually, Landon Ibieta had a one-handed catch I was very impressed by. I think he had overall some really good reps. And I think Noah Kane, he got a lot of the first team reps. I don't know if he'll, you know, I don't, I don't believe he's the best running back on the team, but he did get a lot of first team reps. And I did think he looked pretty spry in his run. So those are probably the names that if I had to pick like three or four, I'd say. Yeah. And, and also look, we, a guy who spent his entire senior year of high school, very much like Mason Smith, Caleb Jackson, a running back four star they signed got injured on the first drive of the game in Liberty's first game of the season, and he missed the whole year. Then we saw him dropping a bunch of 10-6s and 10-5s on the track in the spring. It was like he's fully healthy. When we saw him out there today, it was like, man, he's got a little burst to him, and he's a one-cut back who who can hit the home run. So we'll be interested to see what his camp uh, looks like and, and if he can't get a few touches here early on in the season. Yeah. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Defensively, um, this is where it all just, you just throw it into the fire here because the amount of competition and the amount of changes, I, I want to say, 
uh, on this depth chart is really fascinating here. And I, I want to start on the defensive line because we saw Jacoby and Guillory get a lot of first-team run with Mason Smith. I theorized this, I think, in the spring initially, but I kind of just put it away because I'm like, you have Mason Smith, Mekhi Wingo, of course you're going to start them both. But my theory, and I think a lot of people's theory, was Jaqueline Roy was a nose guy. Like, he was a true defensive tackle that, like, was there for that purpose. And Makai Wingo and Mason Smith are not that exact role uh, type of players. Jacoby and Guillory is. Jordan Jefferson, I think, a little bit more is. Um, I think you get to Jalen Lee. I think Jalen Lee is. So I'm interested to see how they work that out on the interior because – a lot of people, when they perceive this LSU defense line, it's Makai Wingo, Mason Smith as your interior guys. I could be a lot more of one of those guys with another one of either Guillory or Jefferson, you know, or Lee or so on and so forth. Like that could be a rotation we see a lot more coming into to, to this year. And I wasn't sure that was how it was going to work out, but that's what we saw a lot of uh, today. Yeah, they went multiple on a few looks. And yeah, Jordan Jefferson worked some. And he's coming in from West Virginia. He's played a good bit as a transfer. He worked behind Mason Smith a bit. As you noted, you've got Guillory is a true nose. Jalen Lee, we saw work there. Fitzgerald West, we saw work yeah. there. So they have some nose tackles. Makai Wingo is back out there. Obviously, he was just so massive for them a year ago. Yeah. And then that end spot, Savion Jones is someone everyone thinks is going to have a breakout season. He was a five-star on, on three. He's, what, now in his third year with the team. Yep. So you expect him to take that next step. And in the same light, you want Quincy Wiggins to take that next step. And now that he's healthy again, he was running second team behind Savion Jones at end. So, and we're not even naming everybody. There's They have a lot of depth on the D-line right now. Um, how it all shakes out, we'll see. But it's a position they were not in a year ago when Mason Smith got hurt. And basically two to three guys carried them the entire way. So, Good to see the depth. Um, Brian Kelly talked about that. Look, we're deep on the we're deep on the O line, the D line. Like we've got guys now, and I think that matters in the SEC, especially to win in the trenches. Yeah. Um, and we can toss the Jack linebacker spot in there, the edge role, which we saw all spring was Ovi Agofu out of Texas and Braden Swenson out of Oregon. Agofu was still kind of getting those first team reps. Um, there was a third guy, Jackson Howard, in the spring who also was getting the edge rusher reps, a true freshman, early enrollee. The big question becomes, Deshaun Womack's healthy now, and he was their highest-ranked signee. He's a five-star. You look at him out there, and you're like, that dude's going to play somewhere. Same way with Quincy Wiggins. You look at them physically. Yeah, Quincy was good. Like, yeah, you can't, it's tough to keep them off the field. Good problem to have. You can rotate. You can play. You can them, you know, in kind of different spurts and, and bring guys like Womack along slowly if you want, but – one thing for me as we discuss D-line, as fall camp goes on, I want to see what Womack's role is because we can't tell anything from day one. He wasn't repping first or second team, but yeah, 30 days from now, I don't think that'll be the case. Yeah, there's Savion Jones should be the best defensive end on this team, and he should be able to hold that starting spot down. But, man, the leash is not very long right now because that is arguably the most talented, like, singular position on the entire team. Well, also – if Womack does play D end, all three of them are five stars on on three. That's yeah. three D ends who are five stars at the same spot. So yeah, again, good. If it's a problem, it's a great one to have. Exactly. Uh, looking at linebacker, um, 
it was a lot of Perkins and then <laughs> and by a lot we want to say this when they rotated first and second Perkins doesn't even come off the field he just stays in <laughs> just they just rotated pin and and spates really uh, Greg Penn and spates rotated the other two I turned to you and I said this I was like Greg Penn as whether people like him or not he's going to be a big part of this team like he is going to be a massive piece of this defense um I'm not saying he's going to start over Omar spates I think it will be spates and Perkins but Greg Penn will get a ton of snaps this year and put up probably again like 50 plus tackles uh, this season. Yeah, even if he's not the starter, like I think he's going to be that important. And we didn't see Harold Perkins play any other position besides inside linebacker, but I do still think that there will be those situations where he does move outside and uh, 100% Penn steps in. Um, 100%. And I think that Matt House is smart enough to know how to get creative with him, but Matt House has said all along. I want him to come along as a, tr- as a linebacker. I don't want him to just be an edge or a gimmick piece or, you know, whatever it is to get him on the field. I want him to really understand the linebacker role because that's what his future is, but they will move him around a good bit. Uh, and then the Weeks brothers kind of got in there right after that first group. We saw West play a lot last year as a second teamer. Now his brother Witt, who we both love, uh, was out there rotating. They came out together a good bit. So you've got five guys, you know, four or five guys at linebacker that you feel good about. And I would, if you throw both weeks into the group, six guys that you feel good about, and that's a solid spot to be in for a team that really, again, just uses two linebackers. Yeah. Now this is where it all goes to hell. Um, The secondary. uh, More so corner than safety. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Safety. Okay. Safety. Let's start with there. Greg Brooks and major Burns. I feel good about Andre Sam after watching today. I feel really good about like those three. I feel good about. Then you throw in JV and Toviano who could play nickel or could play safety. And that's why I asked Brian Kelly, that question about the flex, the versatility between nickel and safety, because it feels like half of these guys can play either position, right? It feels like uh, Sage Ryan, Jordan Allen, um, JV and Toviano and Greg Brooks can all play either one of these positions. Um, and because of that, you look at it and we were like, all right, is Greg dropping down? Is, is Jordan dropping down? Is Jordan at safety? Like we were trying to figure all that out. Um, but at the bottom line is I feel a lot better about the safety room right now because of guys like Andre Sam and JV and Tobiano and Jordan Allen, I think even to a degree, uh, we didn't get to see much of Lang Law or Kylan Jackson, but uh, I still think those are nice depth pieces. Yeah. And Langwall was out there with the first yes. and second team group. They'd kind of split them up at one point in practice where, First and second team rotated in, and the other guys, a lot of the younger guys were on another field. And Toviano, Langlois, as you mentioned, Jordan Allen, those were some of the younger guys that were part of uh, that group there. Langlois just has been injured two years in a row. But it's safety, yeah, you return two starters in Brooks and Burns. I will say in the 20 minutes we talked to Brian Kelly, our boy Matty B got the only very good question response uh, (laughs) from Brian Kelly when you asked about that. And I think that it's an obvious big piece and he said look it helps us to also play a three safety look i mean we have a chance to do that now because of how versatile some of these guys are we're not surprised by it we said this all spring the buzz was there this summer but jv and toviano is going to play as a true freshman if he starts i don't know about that right now the starters are veterans they're greg brooks they're major birds and then at nickel it's sage ryan but he was in there rotating a lot so of all the freshman DBs, Toviano is the one to, to start out with by watching. Yeah. And then at corner. Um, Who knows? You, 
<laughs> who knows? I was just asked on the radio. It's like, what's the biggest competition? Try to throw out a bunch of names there. But at the end of the day, it just comes back to the cornerback position because um, I will say Zion Alexander, if you give me a pencil, I can write in Zion Alexander, I think, as one of the starters, which was my expectation going into the spring. I think he got the most first-team reps. I think he got the most reps against like Malik Neighbors. I think he embraced that competition. So I feel good about Zion Alexander there. Again, in pencil. I agree. Like change in a month. But in pencil, he's there. After that, Deuce Chesnut got a ton of first-team reps. Denver Harris went out there rotated in. LaTerrence Welsh also got a lot of snaps, I think, with the second team mostly. J.K. Johnson went between the second and third team a lot. Um that's kind of where we're at with the other cornerback spot or even the cornerback in general. And I think a lot of people are still, including myself, are kind of holding out hope that Denver Harris steps up at some point and becomes a bona fide starter on this team. Because if not, I, I, I still feel fine about the cornerback group. But if Denver Harris isn't what we thought he could be, it does lower the ceiling, I think, for like a potential like, oh, Denver Harris could be an all SEC caliber player. I don't think there's one of those on this team if not him. He was a midseason All-American as a true freshman last year before he then got sat on the bench and didn't play the rest of the year due to suspension coming at it from AM. But yeah. we saw him make a play. Shelton Sampson got past him on one and he went and tracked down Shelton right when he caught the ball. He grabbed him, ripped it out of his hands. So yeah. you see those flashes from him. I'm not surprised at all if they're challenging him and not letting him just get first team reps right out of the gates. They did the same in the spring. I think they want to kind of dangle that carrot in front of him and make Denver continue to chase it and prove like, Hey, I want this. I'm with you. I thought that Zy Alexander coming from Southeastern making the jump from FCS to the sec looked the best to me. And that was kind of one of my big question marks. JK Johnson didn't even get in with the first two teams. It was LaTerrence Welsh who got in there. And then uh, I believe it was, I have it written down. Yeah. Denver Harris. So Zy Alexander and Chestnut and then Harris and Welsh. Yeah. And again, this is a team that plays cornerback wise boundary and field corners. So we all thought Chestnut would be a nickel, but he did play some corner at Syracuse. And how does he fit in? Because he wasn't here in the spring. He was injured. We didn't know what he was up to over the summer. Now, all of a sudden, day one, he was getting the first team reps. I just think this is going to change a lot. Yeah. But I'm with you. I think if I'm betting on it right now, Zion Denver Harris are your starters. Yeah, that that would be my guess as well. Um, I did want to ask you uh, kind of along the lines of obviously um, the big news yesterday was Jimmy Lindsay's um, situation there. So we all hope and pray everything's okay with him. But as a result of him leaving the team, John Jancic moves to defensive line and then Bob Diaco moves to both special teams and Jack linebacker, outside linebacker. So they're basically uh, swapping roles there. Is there any... I don't want to say concern, but is is that worrisome at all to, to be moving around 30 days before the first game? No, and, and prayers up to Jimmy Lindsay, who has been in the hospital, and uh, Kelly didn't want to say too much or about a timeline yeah. or what was going on, but just said he will be back, and and our thoughts and prayers are with him, obviously. They knew the guy they hired, their newest hire, coming from South Carolina to coach the D-line at LSU. He was excited about that and uh, and then isn't able to be with them on day one of fall camp. But Jancic and Diaco are guys – they have so much experience. I mean, Jancic's coached at multiple SEC schools. He's been around a long time. Diaco's coached at a lot of places. Diaco's been a head coach before. So they know ball. And that's really kind of what it's about at this point is just putting your guys in place, making sure they know Matt House's defense and 
trying not to skip a beat while your D-line coach isn't with you. So, um, again, sad to not see Lindsey there, but I do at least think that they have some quality guys who have coached for a long time that can step in there and fill that void, and, and you're not really worried about, hey, we're leaning on a GA now to do it. It's no, these two guys have been coaching a very, very long time, and they've moved from – they were brought in as analysts. Now both of them are on the field for the moment, and – uh, we'll see how it ultimately unfolds, but um, but yeah, I, I don't I don't think it's that big of a deal. I'm not, I'm not downplaying what losing your D line coach means. I'm just saying that Brian Kelly has enough people on this staff in analyst roles who have been coaching in college football for well over 20 years, and because of that, it softens the blow a bit, especially during camp. Yeah, um, I will say also with special teams, it's it was supposed to be a all hands on deck approach, anyways. Yes. Um, so even if Jancic has a smaller role in the special teams, I think it was always going to be every single coach was going to be involved and invested in it because we saw last year how that turned out when things go wrong. So, yeah, I'm well, not yes. too worried about the special teams. And we will say we should close with that too because that was one of the biggest talking points of last year. Now, kicker Damian Ramos is who we expect to be the starting kicker again. Nathan Dybert's obviously pushing him as a second-year guy. Bramplett's back as the punter. He was one of the better punters in the SEC a year ago. He's expected to be the same this year. You've got Peyton Todd behind him as a multi-year guy. So you've got experience in both spots now. Um, and certainly with Ramos and Bramplett, you're returning two starters. We didn't see any kickoff stuff today, so who knows what they're doing there. But punt returner, as you noted, was something last year that was an Achilles heel for this team, and they just couldn't get it figured out until basically Greg Clayton saved them by just being able to go back there and catch the football. Catch the ball. And yeah. we saw four guys and I'm not surprised by the four we saw. Greg Clayton was one of them. Greg Clayton was the guy who started there last year at punt returner. Javen Nicholas was one of them. Javen was a guy we saw in the spring as a punt returner, but I thought it was interesting now that Aaron Anderson's healthy, he was one of the punt returners. And now that Kyle Parker's on campus, a true freshman, he was one of the punt returners. If I'm betting on it, which I'm not, I would put the odds on Anderson because it just felt like when you went and brought him back home to New, you know, from New Orleans guy, but from Bama, it wasn't just to play receiver. It was to help fill this void. And for those that know what he did in New Orleans as a high school player, he scored nearly 20 touchdowns on punt returns. So he is absolutely electric. Tough to bring down because he's a smaller guy. It's not like he's a 6'2 guy that you can get your hands on. That would be my betting favorite, but it's clear they've got four guys back there that, that back there that they will give a chance to. Yeah. Um, Greg Clayton is a nice fallback piece again, just catch the ball. If they go this whole season without fumbling a punt, muffing a punt, then it's a win. I thought Greg Clayton made some nice plays at receiver today, too. I, I don't did. want him to be forgotten about after he transferred in from UTSA and sort of bailed him out of some some rough spots on special teams a year ago. So um, I will wrap with this. I asked Brian Kelly this. What I just asked if there was a position he considered a weakness last year that now he thinks is a strength, and he kind of laughed, and he said, when we got to fall camp last year, everything was a weakness. But he made it more broad, and, and I agree with him. I'd like to go do the numbers and count it. But he said now, compared to where they were a year ago, the number of guys they have on the team who have played in the SEC, who know what it takes, who've been through a whole season – takes them to a new level. And obviously they leaned on so many freshmen last year, transfers, all those guys are back. Um, you know, the majority of them are back and out there. So I could do the count. I could even go through it in my head, but when it settled, 
I bet 75% of these guys who start will have played SEC football before. And that's a big bonus. 60, 70%. They have a lot of transfers. I mean, if you include Ovia Gofu of Texas, I mean, that's not SEC technically yet, but uh, I mean, it's, it's up there. It's a very high percentage. Um, It helps when you return your entire offensive line. 100%. And and, uh, quarterback and, you know, yeah, all, your, yeah, all your receivers, basically, you know, minus Boutte and Jenkins. So, yeah, they're, it seems to me early on, running, or run, beyond running back, which they have eight of them, and nine with Jaden, who knows what they're going to do. But the offense is kind of straightforward. You know what you got. The defense is where we really think there could be some shuffling around, specifically on the D-line and in the secondary. So that's kind of just at least an early feel after day one of watching for a couple of hours and just knowing what the roster is. Yep. Um, Like Shay said, we'll have plenty of viewing opportunities throughout the fall, which is unique, which is really good for us um, to be able to get a better handle of this team and get on this podcast and know what we're talking about. So uh, we are a month away from September 3rd kickoff against Florida State. Um, Football season is here. Fall camp is here. Brian Kelly and uh, the LSU Tigers are back uh, with the expectations of competing for the SEC championship and potentially for a playoff spot. So Yeah, that's all we have for y'all today. Hope you all enjoyed the episode. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Uh, Leave us a like, comment, share, subscribe. And uh, we'll be back with another episode uh, soon.